0: DJ and PK, it's time now to talk youth football with Frank Dolce. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah being a drought next summer, Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. So take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning.
1: Good morning, DJ. What?
0: What's happening? Utah is getting ready to play USC. And in any other time, we could break down the football and go crazy. And maybe we'll do that later in the segment. But I think uh, the way Kyle Whittingham opened his press conference, just acknowledging, you know, they're recovering from the ultimate tragedy. And it's twice in less than a year. It sits heavy on their hearts. It was so senseless. I mean, he went on. You can listen to it online 1280 zone.com. But it just left me, and it's totally understandable. And I'm just curious about the energy and focus it took you to play college football back in the day and the teams you followed, because the energy in the building is just all wrong for a big-time college football game, and we totally get why, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And we want to talk about football, and Kyle did later in his press conference talk about how when you get on the field, you zone in, and that's the only thing that matters. And I get that there's some truth to it, but I wonder in this case if that's even possible. So before we get to the physical aspect of the game, the mental and emotional, this is this is I don't know un, unprecedented as far as I know. Maybe somebody's got something to compare it to, but it just everything he said was right, and yet the emotion in the building was wrong. It's just one of those things that it is the way it is.
1: Yeah, I it I don't know how you I mean I I think the the best thing that the team has going for them is that they're, you know, they're all together and they can they can kind of manage this together work through this together. Uh so I think that's I think that's positive. Um but you know, who who knew that you'd get another, you know, some sort of <laughs> life lesson in the middle of a, of a football season or life experience in the middle of a football season that you just weren't expecting and to be on, you know, the level of this tragedy. And, and like you said, two twice in, in less than a year and, and the circumstances surrounding it with, with those two guys, Aaron and Ty being, being close. So uh, I, you know, I don't have a good answer about how you manage it other than everybody being together and kind of working through it together and then maybe maybe it just gives a little perspective to a football season <laughs> you know we've been pretty i've been pretty critical of utah this year lots of people have been pretty critical of utah this year and and maybe we forget that it's a bunch of kids running around playing football and I know there's lots of other things involved, but at the end of the day, it is, that's, it is that, And, um, and maybe, maybe we should, maybe it's a good thing for us to, to look back on how we, how we manage all of these situations with these, with these guys playing and seeing where they can kind of get some joy out of it and joy out of their lives. And maybe not so much on, well, if you don't beat your rival or if you do beat your rival and what are the implications and who's going to win the championship, those are all fun things to talk about. But maybe not to the level of what, um, or certainly not to the level of what the team is experiencing right now. And um, maybe gaining a little perspective for all of us out of this situation is not a bad thing.
2: Football could potentially be a therapy in 2003 USC had a player drowned right before camp started, mm-hmm. and he went twelve and one. I mean, yeah. So I don't know what so the answer I, is, but it potentially could be therapy.
1: I don't disagree with that. It's it, it, to have something to if you're if you don't have some activity um, to take your mind elsewhere for a short period of time. I think that is healing as well. To, to have some sort of distraction rather than dwelling on it, and I'm not saying that uh, you should. I mean, move past it. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying um, you should give it. It's certainly give it its time, and you should um, think about it and be curious about it and how it affects your life, and and then realize that you have all of these other aspects of your life, and how do you become a better person as a result of it so I, I think that's right to have that to have to, to have the team to have the group to have a season to have a game to have a practice something that you can focus on focus your energies on in a positive manner I think that's certainly helpful
0: So to switch to the, uh, the football side of this as you look at the uh, Pac-12 Kyle brought up the fact that Two weeks in, roughly, I mean, the Utes are one and USC's four, but for a lot of teams, they're two games in, and nine of the 12 teams already have a loss. There's only three teams still undefeated in conference play. I mean, everybody's got a loss overall, but in conference play, is there anybody you have any faith in, or is this just a complete wild scramble in the entire Pac-12 and while it will take everyone out of the playoff picture, it will be wildly entertaining to see who wins the conference.
1: I don't know who leads the conference right now. I mean, I I I think you could make a I think you could make a reasonable suggestion that it's it's Oregon State based on the way they've played recently. So, I I think I might just put the Beavers right up near the top. Uh, in, I still believe that Oregon is talent-wise at the top. Uh, I don't think their quarterback play uh, is. I, I think their quarterback play is problematic, um, even though he's super talented. So that I think that will be a question. I think that was a question um, in their loss last weekend, and. I, I, even though Stanford was the team that took them down, I don't know that I put Stanford at the top. Stanford looks like a beatable football team to me. Um, but they, but they, it's also that team that can, you know, that can beat anybody on the schedule. So, uh, but, and, and Stanford's had this thing with Oregon over the years, which I think is kind of, kind of funny to, to look at. So, uh, and, and, and so in the North Division, and Washington, I think I, I just don't think Washington's. Maybe they'll fi- figure out a way to get on track. I don't think they're there yet. Um, wa- Washington State is not great. Cal, obviously, not great. So I, I mean, it's, it's got to be it's got to be Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon, Stanford in the in the top on the North, and then in the South. Um, I mean, it was kind of this. The, PK, you and I talked about it last week. It was kind of, I was like, maybe Arizona State, UCLA, and you were like, maybe UCLA and Arizona State. So I still think that's probably the case. Um, maybe now Arizona State gets the slight edge. But, I mean, UCLA could go on a run and win the rest of their games. Yes. And Arizona State's a beatable football team. Yes. So it's likely that a two-loss team in conference comes out as the champ. I mean, I so so – I don't know. I, I still think that's what it is. Arizona State, UCLA, um, Utah, USC, and then Colorado, Arizona.
2: Yes, I think ASU has the slight lead this week, but when we convene next week, it could be it could be Utah. Actually, if that's Utah exactly goes right. to the Coliseum and wins, they'll be two and zero, and they've had the bye, so they've got one less game. Obviously, that'll flush out here, and the Devils play Stanford. And Stanford, uh, yeah, check about the middle of the second quarter to see if it's their week or not. <laughs> who, who knows? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Devils, the Devils could be three and zero, and then they would strengthen their position. So the point is, even though SC still has two losses, and I, already has two losses, I should say they—I'm not ruling them out because it is so fluky this year Oregon doesn't have a good quarterback they don't i've been saying this for weeks DJ can back me up on this i don't i don't think he's good enough i think this Thompson kid is a freshman and i think they're going to go with him and but they've got all this pressure to try to win now so they're not ready but i do think if they could if they would step back and play him they would be in a better position next year to get to the playoff because i think he's better over the term that they're going to be there uh, he's going to be there than this other kid, but you know he's not apparently not ready, so there's all this pressure to win now, and they didn't get yeah. it done. So I understand that. I can appreciate that in respect, especially at Oregon, because they're paying top dollar to everyone to be in the playoffs, so that's their standard. The rest of the programs, with the exception of SC, don't have that level of standard. So you can get um, with uh, David Shaw and put in the McKee kid, and let them yeah. develop a little bit, and with that development, you're going to get some hot and cold. So, as far as the Utes go, all and it's it's I say all they got to do, and it's mm-hmm. a monumental task. But if they pull it off, I view them as potentially in the driver's seat. Pretend uh, uh, with the acknowledgement of what happens with Stanford and ASU Friday.
1: Absolutely, I don't disagree with that at all, and I. The, the, I look across Utah's schedule in the South oh, and the rest of their schedule, I guess. Um, and I, there are some matchups that that bother me. Like y- Utah-USC is always a good matchup for Utah. That, that seems to fit. And uh, and I think it's a good fit this year for Utah. So I, I'm fairly confident. I mean, I think that this is a year that Utah could go into the Coliseum and figure out how to win that game against a USC team that's in in disarray. So, good. Let's, I, like that, I like that fit. Um, UCLA, Utah bothers me a little bit because uh, I, I don't think UCLA is great, but they do some things offensively that Utah hasn't done well stopping this year, and that's especially with a, with a quarterback that can get out of the pocket. Um, and so that, that's a little bit of a concern. Arizona State, I don't think is a great matchup for, for Utah. Same thing with the, with that mobile athletic quarterback. But they can lose that game and still win the thing, though. (laughs) But they can, yeah. So, so that's the, that's the crazy. Stanford, Utah, I think that's a good matchup. Like, I think Utah is, that's a very favorable matchup for Utah. And then, you know, Colorado, Arizona, those are, I think those are very winnable games. So as I look across their schedule, um, I could, see Utah, I could see Utah winning the rest of their Pac-12 South games, unlikely. I could see Utah going through and only losing one and coming out on top in the South. Uh, I think that's very reasonable. But I, but I think that's very reasonable for a few teams in the South. So we'll just, I don't know, I'm not willing to say this is the team, I'm going to put a stake in the ground with yeah, this right. team and say they're going to win it.
0: So I think there's one theory out there that USC's been up and down here. They've neither won consecutive games or lost consecutive games. They've alternated wins and losses, and they're 3-2. and two. But then maybe it's just our preseason expectations. Maybe they aren't up and down. Stanford and Oregon State, top half of the league. Washington State, Colorado, bottom half of the league. So they beat Washington State and Colorado, and they— Lose to Stanford and Oregon State is USC. Considering they've already had a coaching change and they missed on one or two recruiting classes that are now kind of the middle, the heart of this roster, are they just a mediocre to maybe slightly above average team?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably true. We we always used to say, and I still say a little bit that USC has you know the most talent around the, the Pac-12, and that for a long time that was true a couple bad recruiting cycles. I think they still have significant amounts of talent. Maybe they, you know, they edge out all the other teams in terms of, of talent, but it's not quite what it used to be. And, uh, and it's a team that hasn't figured out how to, how to win. And it's a team that I don't think, I mean, there's a lot of people high on Slovis and I, I don't, I think there's lots of potential with Slovis. I don't think the quarterback play there has been terrific. And I'm going to, you know, Obviously, it's the quarterback pulling the trigger, but i i'm not I have never been a big fan of of uh, the offensive system they're currently running. doesn't seem like a fit so so yeah i I think that USC is a team that still has enough talent if they figure out how to get everyone going down the the same going in the same direction, then they're going to be very difficult to beat, but it's not. Such an array of talent that it's overwhelming to another to another team in the South, and I think I think we've seen that. So uh, it's a it's a talented but beatable USC football team.
2: A Couple of things concern me from the Utah perspective. They have had some outstanding big time receivers in recent years. I mean, I would need a program to list all the guys in the NFL. If I start naming them, I guarantee uh-huh. I'd leave some out. Uh, this Drake London might be the best of them all. I mean, he is something to to behold and watch. So the Utes have got to get a handle on him, which means that they've got to get in Slovis' face. I mean, that goes hand in hand, obviously. And then I think on the other side that USC has been susceptible to passing. So their pass defense. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, we put a lot of Hope right now on Cam Rising, but I also think we have to step back and think he's only basically played a game and a half. Uh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, his whole entire college career is a game and a half. So we maybe we need to back off a little about uh, off that a little bit and let him grow. But if they can find a, a way to curtail the Drake man and find success throwing the ball, I think they got a decent shot. I don't know if they can though.
1: I think the defense has taken enough of a step forward that uh, the ability to pressure the quarterback is, I, I think it's really reasonable to think that's going to occur in this game. And, and Slovis, the, the other thing I like about it is Slovis doesn't necessarily present the problems of breaking out of the pocket and scrambling around or running downfield for 15 yards on a broken play. So, you know, Utah certainly can't lose, lose, contain, or lose discipline up front. But I think the ability to get pressure on the quarterback—I'm optimistic about that for Utah defensively. The other side is a little more tricky because it is very tempting to say, "Hey, we should be able to do this in the passing game against against USC." The the, the issue is um, USC is still pretty talented on the in the de- on the defensive front. And Utah, when they take a step back into pass protection, just hasn't been very good. And so you're, you're now putting, you're, you're likely putting Rising in a situation where he's going to be under pressure lots of time, lots of the time, and, and forced to throw the ball downfield because you think that's, that's where you win the game is you can exploit a defensive secondary that's weak against the pass. I, I, don't, I don't like that philosophy. And I'm not saying that's happening. I just, just you know, making assumptions. I, I would say that Utah just needs to just kind of figure out what they've done best over the first few weeks, or, or where they're trending, and work with their strengths. And if the you know their strengths are going to have to be good enough to beat USC on the defensive side. I like Utah running the football. I like Pledger and the way that he made a step forward. I think there's a you know a couple other really talented really talented backs, and then, you know, putting putting Rising in a situation where he has to drop back five or seven steps and sit, out, sit around in the pocket for a minute and let things unfold in the secondary. I don't think that's advantageous based on what we've seen the first several weeks. So, uh, you know, maybe a more of a quick hitting passing game, get rid of the ball quickly, or get your quarterback on the move um, outside of the pocket because he is athletic. Uh, And maybe that's maybe that's something Utah can utilize. But but I don't think that that because USC has been weak against the past for Utah to to go into this game and say, well, we're going to throw the ball all over the field. I'm not sure that's reasonable. Maybe it is. Maybe we'll be proven or I'll be proven completely wrong should be right.
2: 450 um, yards passing for Cam
1: Rising. I I mean, absolutely. I absolutely would love to see that. Based on, yeah, based on what we've seen coming into this game, it doesn't seem like that's a, a reasonable way to approach the game.
0: If they get the run game going and he gets to throw off play action, I can see him making a bunch of big plays. If he has For to sure. throw the ball fifty times off seven still oh, drops, geez. Kyle would
2: drop dead a heart attack. <laughs> Kyle will have a heart
0: attack. Cam Rising will separate his shoulder, and USC will intercept ten passes. That's not the way oh the you should be playing. But I do that, think if he's be throwing, a
1: difficult afternoon.
0: But I think if he's throwing off play action, he might make big plays. I don't. I don't think you should rule that out. You
1: know? Well, yeah, you know, and. I, I like that game plan, but you know the key to getting play action to work is yeah. is having a, a ground game running the so game. I
0: would love fumbling, to, running the ball yeah. and not fumbling the uh, the ball away
1: and and keeping it off the turf. So yep. you know I think if Utah cleans up some of those small issues, uh, becomes a little more stout at the line of scrimmage in the pass game, gets the run game going. I I think they have a very very good chance of going in and and winning one in the coliseum
0: frank we appreciate the time thanks for joining us
1: hey absolutely of course i appreciate visiting with you guys every week and uh pk i just wanted to mention what a nice article uh you wrote to honor a dear friend of all of ours um man this business is awful sometimes but that guy uh Gordon is one of a kind, and we certainly wish him the best. He's a you know he's a he's a legacy in the in the broadcast industry. No, absolutely. Big time. There,
0: there's there's only a 1280 the zone because he and Bowler put their heads together and decided to make phone calls. That's historical fact. Other people played a big role. PK brought up one of our bosses who wrote us a nice email. He had a big role, but if they don't pick up the phone. There's right. no 1280 right. the zone. You're right. It's, it's, it's that's, inarguable. <laughs> that's a, that was a critical moment in time and decision those two yep. guys made. Yep. And we've all benefited from it. I've benefited from yep. it. PK has. Yak has. Good for them. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs> and thank you, Frank. That was a good shout at the end. Good call by you.
1: Absolutely. You've got right. it. Well done, Thanks. Gordon. All, all
0: right. right, guys. Thank you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone.